0: Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE 30 So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE 30
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: What is a Christian doing? Depositing metalwork into this bog of skulls and decapitated animals and cauldrons. These human remains are 100% de- deliberate depositions into this wetland environment.
0: Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer. Every so often, an archaeological excavation hits the headlines, but rarely are they as sensational as recent discoveries at Garton in County Roscommon. What you heard at the top of the show gives you some sense of this remarkable site and what lies ahead of us in today's show. During a year-long excavation led by Dr. Eve Campbell, archeologists gained an intriguing insight into the often unsettling and strange rituals and spiritual practices of our ancestors. While news reports have focused on a large pagan idol found at the site, The team of archaeologists also discovered human skulls and large quantities of animal bone which appeared to have been offerings to pagan gods. While the excavations have only recently finished and it will take months if not years before we have definitive reports and analysis, I got the chance to interview the director of the excavation Dr Eve Campbell for today's show. In this podcast Eve reveals what she found as well as some theories as to what this incredible site was used for. Now before I start the discussion with Eve, I have two exciting announcements. Firstly, the War of Independence series is returning in two weeks time on September the 19th. I'm really excited to be starting back on the series and I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has supported the show on Patreon and Acast Plus over the last few months. You've allowed me to take the time needed to prepare the upcoming episodes. You are the people who ensure the show continues to be produced, so thanks very much. Now, while the War of Independence series is two weeks away, next week I have an exclusive episode for supporters of the show on Acast Plus and Patreon. This is the story of the Nine Years' War. If you want to support the show and get that episode... Subscribing on Acast Plus or Patreon is really easy, there are links in the show notes below and there's hours of exclusive content, while all episodes for supporters over there are ad-free. You can find out more at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. The other piece of good news is that as the pandemic is easing here in Ireland, I'm delighted to announce my first live event in nearly two years is happening on September the 19th. Now, during the worst days of the COVID lockdown, it was hard to see something like this happening, so I'm super excited about this. It's going to be a really special day, and it's actually on a similar topic to this episode. Last summer, you will remember, I made a series called The Road to Old Croghan, which looked at the story of an Iron Age ritual murder of a body found in a bog in County Offaly. Well, on Sunday, September the 19th, I'm organising a special event on Croghan Hill, and the surrounding area, where Damien and Miriam, who feature in that series, will guide you through this amazing landscape, explaining the story of the bog body, or Crockham Man. It's going to be a super day. The whole event takes place outdoors, so it's going to be safe in terms of COVID. The tour will last about three hours, and will take you to the summit of Crohan Hill, and then into the bog, where Old Crohan Man met his end nearly 2,000 years ago. Tickets are just 12.49 at Crohan com As always, supporters of the show have a reduction. If you are a supporter, you can get 20% off tickets today. You'll find details in the show notes about how to get that offer. And now to the episode. The story of the site at Gertnekrana first emerged a few weeks ago when archaeologists reported that they had found a large pagan idol over 1600 years old at the site. So I began my interview with Eve by asking her about this rare artefact of which only 12 have been found in Ireland. As Eve now explains it was found on the first day of the dig.
2: The site was found during pre-construction archaeological phase of works on the N5 in Roscommon. So we were an archaeological consultancy, we were drafted in to to carry out those archaeological works. So the site was found during a process called test excavation. So it's basically where you dig a really narrow trench along the the length of the road. And you have an archaeologist who's there monitoring and if they spot anything archaeological, they say stop. That becomes a site and it's excavated. So that when the road goes ahead no archaeological material is destroyed which is um you know because archaeology is really enmeshed into our planning legislation so that's kind of the process so it was a pretty normal day we had identified what we call a burnt spread or via on the site in testing Hundreds of these have been found in roads in Ireland. There's like they were really common site types, so it wasn't anything too exciting. And one of my colleagues was um, down on the site, and they were monitoring what's called the opening up the of the site. So just kind of stripping all the topsoil off and um, all the plough soil, which is all mixed up and doesn't really tell us much archaeologically. So they were monitoring that being stripped off, and it was during this process that they found the object. It was initially. It was on its back. It was face down. So it just looked like a big tree trunk, you know, and there's tons of wood in bogs. If anybody is familiar with bogs, they're just full of old wood, Not all, most of it not archaeological. So the machine kind of revealed it. And then they went over to have a look because it was a big piece. And they saw the notches and knew exactly what it was because they're quite a distinctive um, artifact type. And shortly after that, um, in the next couple of hours, um, they discovered part of a prehistoric plough. So once we had those two objects, we knew we were onto something big.
0: While we will move on to the rest of the site, given that the idol is somewhat unusual, I asked Eve to explain what it looks like.
2: It's a two and a half metre long oak trunk that's been kind of roughly hewn and roughly carved. So the the trunk's been split in half and there's been some um, material taken off the back one end of it it has a really small stylized head and actually a lot of the head is actually rotten away it's not in very good condition because of the dryness of the bog that it was in and then all along the body there's uh, nine notches carved into the length of the body it's kind of interesting because we have you know since we publicized it, we've had a lot of uh, there's been a lot of discussion on social media and like a lot of hubbub about the find, which is really brilliant and you know a lot of we've had a lot of commenters saying that's not an idol that's a ladder like or it's um It's uh, some people said oh it's a dugout canoe and like I completely they're like really good suggestions I definitely see why people think that but we know we're we're pretty sure on our identification for a number of reasons I suppose and so the first is we know what ladders look like in the prehistoric period and this doesn't match what those look like what it does match is a group of objects which have been noted in the archaeological record and they're known kind of as notched figures or notched idols um, and there tend to be single long pieces of wood with a rough kind of shaped head at one end and they have these kind of notched uh, lines down the figure of the body and there's been about this is um there's been about 12 wooden prehistoric wooden figures found in Ireland and a good chunk of them are comprised this kind of notched kind and they're also known from the continent because Prehistoric wooden figures are, I suppose, are a northern European phenomenon more broadly. So they're found in anywhere where there's bogs. So there's in you know, we find them in Germany, in Denmark, and Scandinavia. And this exact type with the kind of notches on the body, there's an there's an example from Denmark, um, you know, which is really, really interesting. It's a site called Rebuild in Denmark, and they had there's a very similar figure. So there's something really interesting happening here in terms of the um this this it's, it's, it's an artifact type essentially so it's like something that we can recognize it's a pattern we can recognize and um, our object was actually broken in two in antiquity and that's something we can maybe come back to because you know there's a lot of discussion about the um the killing of some of these are these these uh, figures you know so there's um several of them have been noted to be placed into the bog in a deliberate way or pinned into the bog in a way analogous to the bog body so that's one of the theories scholars have talked about in relation
0: to them. Interesting as this artefact was, what really sets the site at Gertnekranagh apart was the wider context. The archaeological excavation continued for a year, turning up a huge range of artefacts. Before we talk about these though, I first asked Eve to create a picture for you of what this site looked like, so you have a better understanding of what we're talking about. Just a heads up, if you're unfamiliar with them a Drumlin, that Eve references, is a small hill and they're common in the northern half of Ireland.
2: Our site is essentially, it's a shoreline site. So if you can imagine, we have this east-west drumlin. And at the bottom of the drumlin, on the southern side of the drumlin, you've got the slow river called the Aonagh River. And what what happened was, over time, this river developed um, what's kind of called fen peat. So it's a type of peat that's formed from groundwater. So this fen peat developed all along the river and there was a lake opening up to the east and that all filled up with peat boggy ground, wet ground associated with the river. But we also have material on the dry land too, so we have some really interesting things. We have a barrow or a a ring ditch, which is a type of later prehistoric burial monument.
0: Eve then went on to explain the exceptional range of finds she uncovered.
2: Just to summarise the site of Gortna Cranagh, what we essentially have is a a sacred bog where over several thousand years, people deposited important objects, uh, human remains and animal remains into the water. And the earliest deposition we have is from the late Neolithic, and it continues all the way through to the early medieval period. And we have a sort of a focus in the later prehistoric period. And some of the kind of objects that we're talking about are, we have a, a, a beautiful iron bladed dagger with a wooden handle. We have a bunch of bone pins. We have a gorgeous late Bronze Age copper alloy pin. We have uh, leather objects. We have a arch, which is part of a wooden, uh, part of a plough. We have an um, also part of a wooden cauldron, which is really interesting. Lots of kind of assorted other wooden bits of fragments of artefacts that you often get in bogs so of things. Bits that could be part of vehicles or uh, fragments like that. Um, an iron spear, an iron blade. The biggest eco-factory that we're fi- we found on the site was animal bones. My office was packed to the gills with boxes of animal bones during the excavation. So we have huge amounts of, obviously, until the full analysis is done, we won't know exactly what everything is. But what we can tell so far is that we have a lot of cattle, we have deer, we have sheep, we have pig. And also we have a lot of dog as well. So a lot of this bone is what we call disarticulated. That means that it's kind of been, you know, the, the skeleton is in different bits So maybe it's been butchered. But really interesting, we also have quite a lot of semi-articulated or articulated animal remains so that means the whole animal is going in with the flesh on the bone. So it's kind of like an animal burial or a partial animal burial. So we had a, a, an entire deer that was buried and we had a bunch of dogs that were buried. We've got in and around 10 dogs on the from the excavation. Um, some of them are just the skull, but there's at least maybe three three of them that are the full dog that's been deposited into the peat. We also have a lot of decapitated heads. So we have um, quite a lot of cattle heads. So. We know that it's been decapitated because we can see that the whole head is articulated. So we've got the top, the cranium, and then we also have the mandible. And so that we know when that went into the piece, it was the entire head and sometimes the top of the vertebrae. So that's a really interesting pattern. And then of course we have human remains as well. And sticking with the theme of the head, that's mostly cranial fragments. So we've got the remains of up to eight individuals, so a maximum of eight, and maybe at least four, so four to eight individuals. And they're all represented solely by cranial fragments. So in one case, it seems like it's a decapitated head because we have the head, we've got the cranium, but we also have um, suggestions of a single vertebrae stuck up inside us where we have to wash all the bones and get them analysed to find out. And in the other cases, it's just kind of cranial fragments. So the body was elsewhere and they potentially like broke the skull or cut the skull and took the bones here because they felt it was important to deposit them into this one particular location.
0: So Eve was slowly building up a picture of a sacred bog, but before I asked her what it all meant, I had to ask more about the human remains found at Gartnacranagh. Ever since I made that series, The Road to O'Crohan, human sacrifice and the deposition of human remains in bogs in prehistory has intrigued me. In this instance, I was curious how did Eve know these weren't just the remains of someone who had accidentally fallen into the bog, was there evidence of violence, such as cut marks?
2: These human remains are a hundred percent deliberate depositions into this wetland environment. They're all skull fragments. You know, one of them is, seems to be like a decapitated head, like a severed head. The others are kind of fragments from the rest of the skull. So the bodies were elsewhere, and these pieces of the bo- the bodies were taken and deposited, and um, along with other kinds of objects, we have these little groupings of objects, kind of placed in. So a number of the skull fragments are placed in in association with um, parts of a wooden cauldron and with a number of other kind of heads. So we have a stag's head with colossal, really massive antlers. We have a number of cow heads. We have a horse's head and these human skull fragments that are all put in together. But it's also really interesting that um, the river, the nor River, which our site is associated with, has a number of stray um, skulls that were retrieved from it and are in the museum. So within about like four kilometres of the site, there's at least three other... Skulls, and um, some of which I think have been dated to the um the Bronze and Iron Age. and um, so there's something really interesting happening here with the deposition of skulls. And you know, that's not crazy for the Iron Age because there's a whole literature on the significance of the skull in and on the, on the head in um in Iron Age Europe. And you know, I think that has much earlier origins in the Bronze Age as well. So like in terms of thinking about like what does that mean that's like maybe a little bit more of a difficult question and um, and it could be read in different ways so it could be read certainly as the skulls of the enemies you know severed and taken as battle trophies and put into this place and um, but you know there's other kind of ways that could happen it could be the skulls of a revered ancestor so um you know that sounds initially a bit out there but you know think about catholic relics that many people might be familiar with and um we know that in prehistoric Europe, um, people are curating the bones of their dead, and they're keeping them. They're keeping little bits of them, and they're putting them into their houses, and they're reburying them. So there's a really dynamic kind of um, interaction with the bodies of the dead, and um, it seems a bit alien to us in modern society, but would have been quite the norm in the past. <clears throat> the dominant um, burial rite in the Iron Age is cremation, so the normal way to to um, treat a body is to is to burn it. So it's quite interesting that they're being placed on burnt into the bog. there's something important there and there's something distinctive there. Hopefully now at the moment um, I have the bo- the bones haven't been analyzed, but when they are analyzed, we'll be able to get a lot more information. So we'll be able to get like an you, you raise the question of like cut marks. We're we'll able to see, for example, if the if there's any cut marks on this, on the particularly the, the kind of potential severed head to say if that was like cut with a, with a sword or um, anything like that. And with the other skull fragments, we'll be able to see if there's any if there's any marks on the skulls to see if they were like prized, prized off the rest of the skull with blades or how that happens. And also age, possibly sex for some of them, because we do have some with some of the diagnostic um, uh, elements, such as like brow ridges and stuff. So we can sometimes tell. And um, so that's going to be really interesting.
0: In our discussion, I was amazed by the collection of incredible artefacts Eve and her team had uncovered. But I guess the key question is, what does it all mean when you put it together? Could Gartnokrana help to unlock the religious beliefs of long past societies? Again, to provide you a context, I asked Eve to give you a time frame of when the site was in use.
2: The earliest activity we have on the site is dating to the late Neolithic. So the Neolithic is really the first farmers and it's part of the Stone Age. And so I suppose that activity is probably dated to around 2600, 2700 BC. When I'm talking about the, the late Iron Age material, we're talking about the centuries AD. So well, the date, the carbon dates that we've got back from some of our material, about kind of like 200 to 400 AD. So those kind of centuries just after, after um, the birth of Christ, I suppose, and before Ireland's been Christianised. That's sort of late Iron Age.
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy and BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable and gives you the support you need but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irish history today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, slash irish history. Now for me that was mind-blowing. People were returning to this site for 3,000 years. That's longer than Christianity or Islam have been in existence. While Eve has most of the analysis still ahead of her, we did tentatively chat about what this site may have meant to our ancestors. Now before you hear Eve's thoughts on this, don't forget you can get your tickets for that tour on September the 19th at crohan.eventbrite.com. As I said earlier, that tour is very much along a similar theme to this episode and focuses on the story of a bog body from the Iron Age. You can find out more at croghan.eventbrite.com That's spelled C-R-O-G-H-A-N.eventbrite.com But now back to Gerstin Nakrana and what it may have meant to our ancestors who practiced these rituals here. Eve started with the wooden idol that has dominated much of the media narrative.
2: As I mentioned, there's been um, several of these objects found in Ireland before. So, you know, this is about the 12th wooden art, wooden figure found. And they tend to be kind of found in, um, there's a strong association with trackways. So several of them have been found on some of the surveys of the commercial, um, some of the surveys of the commercial bogs in the Midlands that have been carried out by archaeologists. And they're found like in association with trackways or in trackways. One of them is from the Corley trackway up in Longford, the Great Iron Age trackway, which you know some of you might be familiar with. And in that context, they've sometimes been talked about as figures of protection because the bog is a really dangerous place. It's a perilous place, kind of physically, because it's wet and it's dangerous and you could drown in it. But also maybe we can think about... And some of the other associations that like how it might be dangerous is this, this kind of in-between place. It's kind of outside the bounds of civilization in a sense. It's not cultivatable land and it's kind of, you know, c- you know, it's it's a, it's a dangerous place on other levels perhaps as well. So that's, you know, one of the, the theories that, that's been put forward. One of the really interesting things about our object is that we've got a little bit more contextual information for it. And um, in that it's associated, in our site, it's associated with this whole depositional complex where we have all these other artifacts that have been put into the wetland but also the huge amounts of animal bone um and my theory very much is that what we have at this site is some kind of animal sacrifice and I suppose some people might go oh animal sacrifice it's like a little bit out there but I suppose in a way it's a you know, RNA like later prehistoric Ireland, like today, you know, it's a rural society and cattle and um, other livestock are hugely important to, you know, socially and economically. And people need to kill them. Butcher, butchering animals is a really normal part of life in a rural society. Um, And what you sometimes get with, you know, animal sacrifice is the ritualizing of that killing and kind of, you know, like putting layers of ceremony on top of it. So... What I suspect is going ha- is happening, but what I suspect happened, and hopefully this will be either proven or disproven or borne out by some of the analysis, is that animals are being butchered and parts of them, perhaps heads, you know, we have some examples for that, are being placed back into the bog, and the rest of them are being butchered, and probably we have some associated feasting where the meat has been carried off and kind of other activities are happening. Maybe there might be some there's there's we have a lot of scrapers, so i could be some leather working maybe happening there. But that's kind of the broad picture um, that I have off off the site. And I think the idol could have really fed into that. So, when we look at the context of sites that some of these similar wooden figures are found in the continent they're often found on sites associated with animal sacrifice we suspect the you know we very much think the object was standing upright and so it's probably standing upright somewhere along the shoreline and I've got a number of like nice big pits that could be candidates for where it would have stood originally we'll have to go back and comb comb those of the fine tooth comb to just check that they're the right size and everything so it's probably upstanding there it's possibly involved in these different kind of ceremonies um, and then at whatever point and um, deemed deemed appropriate it's taken down and it's buried just one comment on you know the, the objects as a group so one of the really exciting things about our object is the date so it's actually got a really really late date. so roughly um 250 to 400 a.d so that's like really at the end of the iron age it's just before christianity is coming to ireland and really we know so little we know we really know very little about what kind of um Beliefs and practices people had in pre-Christian Ireland—you know—it's tricky. It's tricky to find out. Um, So this is a really this site is providing us with a really interesting insight into that. And most of the other notched figures that are kind of similar to the one we found here date from much earlier. So they tend to be um, a lot of them are from the Bronze Age. So we have this really tantalising potential continuity of practice um, with this kind of very same similar form being used over a thousand years earlier in some of the other bog sites. And here we have it um, at our site in Crana And we can't assume it was the same kind of rituals or the same practices, but there's something continuing there, some kind of thread of continuity of some kind.
0: Eve also highlighted the wider landscape as being important in terms of understanding the site.
2: I think there's some interesting things to, you know, to sort of parse out of like looking at wetland why people are putting stuff into watery context. And again, that's a really, that's an ancient theme. And it's something that you get like around the world as well. It's kind of one of those perennial around the world and through time, people are drawn to water is sacred, isn't it? It's really central to survival and to life. Um, but there's also some kind of interesting material qualities that bogs have that scholars have highlighted as maybe being significant. So um, particularly with this kind of stagnant bog pools, you get this kind of wonderful reflective surfaces. So, in, in a society where you don't really, you know, you don't have mirrors. So, if anyone's going to see reflection of themselves or other people or of the sky, it's going to be in water, it's going to be in, in still water. You know, I was thinking particularly of, say, some of John Woodell's work on um, where he talks about the other world as this place of inver- inversion where everything's kind of back to front and the other way around, that these kind of watery, boggy places are kind of, you know, they're kind of like portals or like liminal places where you can access the other world or you can connect to the other world. They're also, you know, you know, people talk about, um. you know, they're outside of the cultivated land, like you can't grow things in them. They're not like, you know, they're kind of this, there's a wildness to them. There's a danger to them, like because you can drown in them. They um, they're not quite land and they're not quite water. You know, if you think about a bog, it's kind of this soft, but it's perilous and there can be bog holes in it. So there's a lot of kind of characteristics there that um people have talked about in terms of like why you know bogs or boggy ground or those kind of wet places you know we're seen as important it's also if you put something to a bog you can't really get it back like you know if you bury a horde on dry lands you can dig it back up again but if you put it into a bog it's it's kind of it's, it's given to the gods for good so a lot of a lot of you know a lot of scholarship talks about talks about it in in kind of that sense so that it's kind of giving things back to the gods and that could be framed in different ways you know as a bargain, as thanks, as a pleading. as You know, there's lots of different kind of ways that that's kind of been been talked about. And there's, you know, there's a lot of questions as well about, you know, at what social scale is this happening? Is this like small local groups? Is it bigger? Is it individuals coming? Is it villages coming? So there's, you know, there's a lot of different um, really interesting questions or kind of ways we can approach
0: this. To conclude, we discussed some of the challenges Eve faces as she tries to analyse the artefacts found at Gertagrana She also explained some of the techniques archaeologists use in this situation.
2: I do have a lot of really amazing finds, but when you kind of span it out over the span of its life, it's not, you know, if you think about this in the the course of millennia, you know, it's not a huge amount of material because it's such a long time depth. Um, So like maybe when we start to, you know, we obviously only have two, we only have two radiocarbon dates on the site now for the idle and for the hard, but like we're going to, you know, implement a radiocarbon program particularly for the animal bone focusing on the articulated remains and that will maybe help us to think about like the time depth that this is happening over is it all over a couple of centuries or is it really spread out I mean certainly the earliest material as I mentioned we have um one of the trackways we have we essentially have um in one area, you have a series of platforms, like stone and brushwood platforms. So when I say brushwood, I mean small things like hazel. People kind of know that kind of stuff, like small little twigs making some platforms there. And then over to the other side, I have like a trackway that's running out into the wetland. And the the trackway is kind of held in place by the big, big posts. So you can think of like sheep fencing posts that people use for sheep fencing, like that only, you know, a lot, of, like less, not mass produced, <laughs> um, and we were really we've been working with um, Kathy Moore, who's a wood specialist. She's really amazing, and she's able to. She has a magic power that's probably a very hard one, where she can look at the tool marks on the wood, and she's able to get really, really accurately kind of date them because. And um, woodworking tools like Axis um, and adzes they change through time. So archaeologists have typologies, you know, so you can say, oh, this is a Neolithic one. This is an early Bronze Age one. This is a late Bronze Age one. That's an Iron Age one. So all the woodworking in the area seemed to be um, Iron Age. So we were pretty sure and we were getting iron material from it. And then we started to find all this pottery. And as an archaeologist, that's really weird because we don't really have pottery in Iron Age Ireland. So I was really, you know, a bit confused. I was like, maybe there's something earlier happening here. And then when we got the pottery analysed by Owen Grogan, he said this is Grooved where which is late Neolithic pottery. So that was pretty mind-blowing. That's, you know, thousands of years earlier. But it just goes to show, um, you know, I, I suspect that there's, you know, gaps in the use of the site, but that it remained as a place that was seen as important or as a place that you would deposit things for a long period of time. And as I mentioned before, one of our latest artifacts is really interesting because it's an early medieval ring pin. So what is a Christian, <laughs> so-called good sorry, medieval Christian doing, depositing metalwork into this bog of skulls and decapitated animals and cauldrons, you know? So it's a really nice little, um, just kind of little snippet of a view into like that whole period of conversion and how older beliefs might have persisted, even though they're largely, you know, pretty invisible or hard to track down in some of the um, historical texts. We also have a single, um, we've got a single east-west inhumation just beside our um, ring ditch or barrow on the dry land. So um, that's really interesting as well, because that that kind of burial rite is often associated with Christian burial. And the the ring ditch would be um, kind of late prehistoric. It could be Iron Age, an Iron Age kind of um, burial monument, essentially a circular ditch where cremated bone was inserted. So who is this person, this one single person who had a burial, maybe beside their ancestors? It could have been their parents, it could have been their, a gap of centuries and then they're, and then they're um, they're buried there. but um but this the site remains a draw and is a known place in the landscape after the Christian period.
0: As part of the process of understanding de Crana, a replica of the idol found there has been made and will, in time be accessible to the public, as Eve now explains.
2: So that's one of the reasons actually why we embarked on a project to create a replica of the object. Because um, that means that, well, first of all, it gives us a much better sense of what the object would have originally been like, because we can put it upright. It's all in one piece. Our object was spent in two pieces. Um, and we can kind of we, you know, conjecturally reconstruct parts that were really badly damaged, like the head, for example. And then also it means that. Um, so we made um uh, we made a we made a replica um in cragganol with a, a, a group of people from the palace boy project and from um from UCD from the center for um experimental archaeology and some people from our company AMS. Um, and that object is really exciting and am going to be going to tusk to the rock center which is just beside where the object was originally found. It was found behind Elphine and Tusk. So we're really excited about that because it will mean like it's accessible. People can go, they can see it. It'll be really near to where it originally was and you can get a photo with it. You can go up and touch it. You can leave it a little sacrifice if you want. In a way, you know, you really couldn't do with the original object because it's so delicate.
0: I'd like to thank Eve for her time and this fascinating interview. I'll be back next week with that exclusive show on Patreon and Acast Plus on The Nine Years' War. Then, the War of Independence series returns the following week. Finally, don't forget to get your tickets for that event on September the 19th at crohan.eventbright.com. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Until next time, sloan.